G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Hello, friends. Throughout our nation's history, it has often been in the darkest times that God brought unprecedented revival. However, the means God uses for bringing about revival are almost always the same. Commitment to prayer and uncompromising preaching of the gospel. For this reason, I am launching a prayer movement called Awake America, And I want to challenge you to pray for God to bring a spiritual awakening to our nation, starting with your city, your campus, and your neighborhood, to encourage your friends and your family and your church groups to unite together in prayer. Revival starts with you and me. So I hope you'll join me. Visit ltw.org to learn ways you can join with Dr. Yusuf, as well as brothers and sisters in your city and cities around the world, to pray for a spiritual awakening. You can also get details at 1-300-133-589. Well, thanks for joining us for a very special Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. In the last few months, life's been turned upside down during the COVID-19 crisis. And the question that comes to many people's minds is, what would Jesus say about the crisis? Well, recently, Dr. Yusuf shared his heart about this with members of his church in Atlanta, the Church of the Apostles. And it's a message he wanted you to hear as well, especially in light of our world situation. Join Dr. Michael Yusuf now with a message he's appropriately called, What Would Jesus Say About the Crisis? Whenever a disaster struck, the age-old questions always pop up. Where is God in all of this? How can a loving, merciful God allow the loss of life? Why didn't He, the all-knowing God, stop this pandemic from happening? How good is God in times like this? And and if God is not all-powerful, why should we worship Him? (laughs) What is the answer? And as you know, I often found the answer only in the Word of God. Beloved, in fact, today I'm going to show you that the answer is found in the words of Jesus. (laughs) You say, well, did Jesus have something to say about the coronavirus or COVID-19? Well, not quite, but yes. (laughs) Listen carefully. It's found in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. Apparently, there were two tragedies have taken place one after another during that time of Jesus' earthly life. They both brought a colossal loss of life. One incident took place when a group of Galileans, these are the northerners, Galilee and Jerusalem, (laughs) the north and the south, covered geographical Israel. These Galileans came all the way down to Jerusalem to the temple to offer sacrifices to God as prescribed in the law of Moses. 
But what does Pontius Pilate and the Roman rulers do? They go in there and they slaughter them, so much so that their blood was flowing with the blood of the sacrifices right there in the temple while they're worshiping. Man-made disaster. These Roman rulers were ruthless. So horrific that act was that the blood of the sacrifices and the people who were slaughtered by Pontius Pilate were flowing down the altar. The second one was a natural disaster. There was a tower, the Tower of Siloam. It was basically inside the southeast side of the Jerusalem wall. And it collapsed. And when it collapsed, there were 18 people underneath it they were crushed to death. One disaster was man-made. The other disaster was a natural disaster. At that time, during Jesus' earthly life, these two disasters have taken place. And back then, people were as curious about both the natural and the man-made disaster as the people of our day. And that's understandable. But they were anxious to draw false conclusions, as our generation does. They were ready to pass false judgment, just as our generation does. But instead of asking, why, Lord, have you allowed this, which is okay to ask why. Bible never tells us not to ask why. It's okay to ask why. But instead of asking why, their worldview was such that they came to certain erroneous conclusions. Why didn't God stop this? Or, are these people were worse sinners than the others? That's why they died the way they did? <laughs> or, why some die, others recover? Or, that those people must have been done something really horrible. They must have done something really bad that they met such a tragic end. Erroneous conclusions. It goes on and on and on. You read it in the press, and you see it all the time. These sorts of false conclusions are not new. <laughs> they are not new that we see today. So, what's the answer? I go back to Jesus again. What's the answer to any erroneous conclusion that you hear, or you may even make? As I said, Jesus gives us the answer. I don't have the answers, thank God. Jesus does. And here is what Jesus said. When he was questioned about these true tragic events during his earthly time, he said, I tell you, no. They're not worse than any other sinners. They're not done something horrific. No, 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 no. said, but unless you repent, you likewise shall perish. You know, in one sentence, in one sentence, our Lord Jesus summarized the entire Bible. You say, how come? Well, first of all, you have to understand God is not the author of evil. God is not the author of evil. But evil came into the world when Adam and Eve surrendered the birthright of their stewardship of planet Earth to Satan. When Adam and Eve fell into Satan's deception, they lost the deeds to planet Earth. 
And then, at that moment, evil entered into the world. When Adam and Eve handed the property deeds of planet Earth to the devil, which was their stewardship, God handed it to them. And by their being deceived by the devil and disobeying God, they handed it to Satan. You see, before Adam and Eve were deceived, before they fell in Satan's deception, Satan had no power over the earth. Did you know that? He had no power over the earth. But when they fell in his deception, they gave him the power. They handed him the power. And from that time on, sin and suffering, disease and illness, viruses and germs, earthquakes and storms, tornadoes and hurricanes, floods and fires, death and suffering, all became the consequences of that surrender on the part of Adam and Eve. And from the time of Adam and Eve on, Satan has been having a free range, as it were, to cause illnesses, diseases, suffering of all kinds. And ultimately, his desire is to take many people with him into eternal suffering, which the Bible calls hell. Ah, but God provided a way out. God provided a way of escape. God provided the answer. God provided victory over sin and the grave. God provided a solution to suffering. And what is that answer? The answer that He left the glories of heaven and came to our earth, living an ordinary life, but without sin, dying on a cross and rising again. Why? So that He may retake what Adam and Eve have lost to Satan, so that he may arrest God's property deeds that Adam and Eve gave to Satan, so that Jesus may restore to all those who believe in him, all those who put their trust in him, all those who come under his power, all those who come under his authority, that he may give them power to conquer sin and the grave. And from the time of Jesus on, anyone who wants to have power over sin, power over suffering, power over death, can come to Jesus and receive grace. Not just in this lifetime, not just in this lifetime, but forever and ever and ever, eternity in heaven with Jesus. See, the moment you come to Christ— That's the moment your eternal life begins. It doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins the moment you say, yes, Lord, come into my life, forgive my sins. That moment your eternal life has begun. The Bible said that we are seated in the heavenly places, that literally God can see us already in heaven. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Question, what was Jesus saying to his contemporaries? when they were facing such a question about the crisis that they were facing at the time. He was saying is what he's saying to us. He's saying these people who died in the temple in cold blood by the ruthless Roman vice-regent, or these people who were crushed to death in the Tower of Siloam, they are no worse sinner than anybody else. But for your sake— For your sake, take this tragedy as God's warning for you. 
for your sake. Be forewarned. Be forewarned. Be forewarned that God's judgment is coming upon all who refuse to believe in Jesus. Be forewarned yourself (laughs) that God's judgment is coming upon all those who would not repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Be forewarned yourself that God's ultimate judgment is upon all those who refuse to accept the gift of eternal life as they repent of their sins. They will be forever in a constant pain and suffering. So be forewarned. In fact, that judgment is going to be far worse than any coronavirus or any suffering, any disease, any illness. It will be more tragic, more severe, and unending suffering. So these are loving warnings from the hand of God. So what Jesus would say to us who are still alive, Jesus would say to those of us who have not lost our lives, those of us who have not been touched by COVID-19 or any other thing. According to Luke 13, verses 1 to 5, Jesus would say, those who have died or been in the United States or in Europe or China, whatever they may be, those who died around the world, they are no more sinners than those who are sleeping in the safety of their home in the United States or in Canada or Australia, wherever they may be. So what is Jesus' answer? What is he saying? To those who are asking, where is God in times of disaster? Jesus would say, you are asking the wrong question. The question is not, where is God when these terrible things happen? The question is not, what did these people do to deserve death? These are erroneous questions. The question that you should be asking is this, have I examined my life? Have I examined my heart to see if I have escaped from eternal death to eternal life? The question is, have I repented of my sins and assured of eternal life in heaven with Jesus? The question is, have I made provision of escaping from death to eternal life? It's the question. The question is, if you die today, can you be absolutely certain that the moment you close your eyes in death, you are in the presence of Jesus in heaven? That is the question. Because if your answer is no, you can do that today. Today. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. Do it today. Unless you repent, said Jesus you likewise will perish. Here's a fact. Hear me right, please. This is a fact. We all will physically die. <laughs> I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We all will die physically. Whether we die through that coronavirus in a hospital bed or all of a sudden for no reason. Whether you and I die in a crash or in our bedroom whether you and I die one at a time or in large numbers. See, that's not the issue. Why? Because 
there is one thing that you and I can be sure of, that every one of us physically will die. One way or the other, we'll physically die. Now, I just don't want you to think I'm speaking here callously about life and death. I've experienced losses in my life, as many of you have. I'll never forget the time I was 16 years old. I thought my world has come to an end when I lost my 55-year-old mother. I thought my world has come to an end. As a matter of fact, a few months later, I became suicidal. And then God met me in a very special way and assured me that I'm not finished until He says I'm finished. Meanwhile, I should serve Him. And I've been doing this now for 55 years. My mother died in her bed, died in her bed. My wife's only sibling, her brother, 25 years old, died in a car crash. All of these are painful, painful, painful situations. I'm not denying that for a moment. My nephew, whom I sponsored to come to this country, was killed in a head-on collision in Nashville, Tennessee. Shortly after that, his father died in a hospital bed in Cairo, Egypt. Followed that, I lost all my brothers, one after the other, unaware of the pain of loss and separation. But the question that all of us should be concerned with is this, where will I spend my eternity? Heaven or hell? Where will I go after I die? Heaven or hell? Whose company will I be with, Jesus or Satan? What does my eternal future look like? Constant joy or endless pain and suffering? Jesus said, unless you repent, you likewise shall perish. The dividing factor between all of the seven billion people who are living on the face of the earth, the dividing factor, not ethnicity or race, no, not wealth and poverty, no, not safety or danger, no, these not really dividing factor, the dividing factor among all human beings, everyone. All the people who are living on the face of the earth, the dividing factor between all of human beings is those who have repented and those who have not. Those who have repented and those who have not repented. That's the dividing factor. That's the only way by which God is viewing us. And so Jesus would say to every one of us, therefore, please, please let this global pandemic and this, all of this life's disaster be a warning for you. You, yes, you. Let these events speak to you and say, be ready when your time is up. And therefore, if you haven't received the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, you can do it today. One letter writer, in part, was explaining how the message of leading the way has brought him to Christ and how excited he is about his new life in Christ. 
And here's what he said. He said, I hope this program continues because not many programs broadcast the truth of the gospel. God bless you. Beloved, listen to me. The reason we take this message of eternal hope and eternal life to 195 countries in 26 of the most spoken languages of the world, only one reason, so that people, as many people as possibly we can reach, will be like this young man, discover new life in Christ, eternal life in Christ, will come be assured of their eternity here and now. See, Jesus' priorities are very clear. They're very clear. His supreme concern, yes, in this life, but even bigger than that, not just a short life, whatever, if it's 50 or 100 years even, still short time in comparison to eternity. See, Jesus' passion, the reason he died on that cross, so that you would ask the question, where will I spend eternity? That's the question that should occupy our attention. The question should occupy our minds and our hearts. You know what would be even a bigger tragedy if you would say, well, I have plenty of time to repent of my sins. For now, I'm just doing my living. That would be a bigger tragedy because you can't guarantee the next breath. None of us can. In fact, this would be worse than physical diseases, all of them put together. Because your soul is of immense importance to God. It is of immense importance. And that is why Jesus said, what shall profit a man or a woman or anyone if he gains the whole world and then loses his own soul? Listen to me. I believe with all my heart that God loves you. And the very clear indication of his love for you is that you are hearing this message. This is the clearest indication. Because he created you. He made you. And he made you with an emptiness inside of you that it will never be fulfilled until Jesus comes inside of you and fill it. On another occasion, Jesus told his disciples, said, hey, don't worry about he who can kill the body. Just like what I said earlier, every one of us will die. But worry about he who can destroy your soul in Hades. He's giving you one more chance to hear this message, to, to hear this invitation, to receive this invitation, so that you might come to him repenting of your sins and receiving his forgiveness. Respond to this loving invitation. Will you come to him now? Will you say, Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me to come to you, to repent of any sin and guilt and doubt. Forgive me. I receive you as my only loving Redeemer, Savior, and a friend. When you invite him, you can be absolutely sure that he will come. He said that. When you invite me, I will come in, and he will come. In his spirit begins to dwell in you and give you peace in the midst of turmoil. If you need more answers, if you have questions, contact us at LTW. That stands for Leading the Way, ltw.org. We have people waiting to hear your question and answer them. Father, 
I thank you for yet another opportunity to hear your invitation to me to come humbling myself before you, recognizing that I cannot save myself, that only your power can snatch me from the jaws of death and hell. I come to you, Lord Jesus. Now come to me. And I thank you that you are faithful to your promises. And when I invite you in, you come. I come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef and a special message is called, What Would Jesus Say About the Crisis? Perhaps your first response to this crisis is answering Dr. Yusuf's challenge to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to speak with someone, reach out to ltw.org slash Jesus right now. ltw.org slash Jesus. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Learn more about Dr. Yusuf and the team passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth and changing lives across six continents when you visit ltw.org. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.